Good morning. Uh, the theme of this lesson is actually going to be from the book of Amos, chapter 4 and verse 12. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, so, one of the overarching themes in the Bible is preparedness. It admonishes us to prepare to meet our God. The message of the New Testament is to prepare to meet God. Our condition and steps God requires for us to prepare. So, Jesus tells us that we should be ready in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 44, and we'll get to that in a minute. So we've all faced situations for which we were unprepared. For instance, a test, a job interview, etc. cetera. Uh, these instances can bring inconveniences and sometimes very painful results. The worst pain of all is being unprepared spiritually. The parable of the ten virgins teaches us to prepare ourselves for the Lord's return. Um, when we are unprepared for the Lord's return, we are foolish. Verse 2. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. In other words, they knew they needed the oil. From Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 15 and 16. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. So when it says as fools, not as the people of this world live. Uh, it means lazy, negligent, distracted, careless. When we're unprepared for the Lord's return, we're wasteful. Verse 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. <clears throat> Not ready for their opportunity, the five foolish virgins missed the blessed wedding. When we're unprepared for the Lord's return, we are self-centered and self-indulgent. From the book of Luke, chapter 12, verses 13 through 21, Then one from the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or an arbiter over you? And he said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist of the abundance of the things he possesses. Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully, and he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will, put down my bar I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will store all my crops and my goods, and I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So when we're unprepared for the Lord's return, we're focused only on ourselves we are unprepared to meet God or to serve others. From Matthew 25, 41 and 46. Then he will also say to those on his left hand, 
Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. And I was a stranger, and you did not take me in. Naked, you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then he will also... Then they will also answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. When we're unprepared for the Lord's return, we're weak in our faith, from Matthew 24, 44 through 41. It says, Therefore you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master made ruler over his household to give them food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. Assuredly, I say to you that he will make him ruler over all his goods, But if that evil servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming and begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him and at an hour that he is not aware of and will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So, We must prepare to succeed, and that means we must prepare for life. We prepare for life by depending on God and His will, from James 4, 13 through 17. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance, all such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. So to prepare for life, we prepare for life by remembering and obeying God from Ecclesiastes 11, 9 through 12, 1. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these, God will bring you into judgment. Therefore, remove sorrow from your heart. Remember now your Creator in the days of your youth, before the difficult days come and the years draw near when you say, I have no pleasure in them. And in Ecclesiastes 12, verses 13 and 14, Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. So we prepare for life by learning wisdom, honesty, labor, kindness, etc. From Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And then from Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verses 18 through 20, 
Here is what I've seen. It is good and fitting for one to eat and drink and to enjoy the, the good of all his labor in which he toils under the sun all the days of his life, which God gives him. For it is his heritage, as for every man to whom God has given riches and wealth and given him power to eat of it, to receive his heritage and rejoice in his labor. This is the gift of God. For he will not dwell unduly on the, on the days of his life because God keeps him busy with the joy of his heart. <clears throat> and to prepare for life, we need to prepare for life's relationships. For instance, marriage. We need to find a godly mate. We need to be committed, faithful, have devotion, love, responsibility, sharing, sacrifice. From Ephesians 5, through 33, wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present her to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife, just as the Lord does the church, for we are members of his body, of his flesh and, and his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. We need to prepare for life's relationships by becoming parents. It requires sacrifice, time, money, energy, unselfishness, discipline, instruction, and so on. From Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4. And you, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. We need to prepare to serve God. From Matthew 28 and 20. Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. <clears throat> we need to prepare to serve God by being a faithful student of his word. From 2 Timothy 2 and 15, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We need to prepare to serve God by being a devoted teacher of the gospel. From 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 13 through 16, till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the eldership. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them, that your progress may be evident to all. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this you will save both yourself and those who hear you. We need to prepare to serve God by being a worker in the kingdom. From Matthew chapter 9, 37 and 38. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into his harvest. And we need to prepare for our death. 
Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27. And as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. And the example could be from 2 Kings chapter 20 and verse 1, uh, Hezekiah's life is extended. In those days, Hezekiah was sick and near death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. We need to prepare for death by becoming a Christian, obeying the gospel. Romans 6, 16 through 18 and verse 23. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. God wants us to come to repentance. 2 Peter 3, 9 and 10. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass. Make sure that I'm still on track. Yes. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with a fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. So what hinders us? Acts chapter 8 and 36. Now as they went down the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? And then we can look to Paul's defense at Jerusalem, Acts chapter 22 and verse 16. And now why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 2, For he says, In an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And finally, we need to prepare for our judgment from Hebrews 9 and 27. And as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this the judgment. And then 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. And then we can look at Amos 4 and 12, but we're going to look at that in just a second. We can prepare for our judgment by avoiding sin, watching and praying. Luke chapter 21, verses 33 through 36. Jesus says, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighted down in, with carousing, drunkenness, and the cares of this life, and that day come upon you unexpectedly. For it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. We can prepare for our judgment by faithful living, Romans 2, verses 3 through 11. And do you think this, O man, you who judge those practicing such things and doing the same, that you will escape the judgment of God? 
Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? But in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, you're treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of revelation, <clears throat> a wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to each one according to his deeds, eternal life to those who by patient continuance in doing good seek for glory, honor, and immortality, but to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath, tribulation, and anguish on every soul of man who does evil, of the Jew first and also of the Greek, but glory, honor, and peace to everyone who works what is good, to the Jew and also to the Greek, for there is no partiality with God. So how sad it will be to miss heaven because we were unprepared. Matthew 25 and verse 11. Afterward, the other versions came also saying, Lord, open up to it. Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. So we don't want to wait too long. We want to prepare ourselves to meet the Lord. So let's turn our focus to the book of Amos specifically chapter 4 and verse 12. The message of the book of Amos is uh, about preparedness. Amos is sent to Israel to inform of its impending doom. Time had run out and it was time to prepare to meet thy God, O Israel. For the end has come upon my people of Israel, uh, chapter 4 and 12 and 8 and 2. No one would escape the punishment that God would bring upon the nation. Chapter 9, 1 through 4. And I saw the Lord standing by the altar, and he said, Strike the doorposts, that the thresholds may shake, and break them on the heads of them all. I will slay the last of them with the sword. He who flees from them shall not get away, and he who escapes from them shall not be delivered. Though they dig into hell... From there my hand shall take them. Though they climb up to heaven, from there I will bring them down. And though they hide themselves on the top of Carmel, from there I will search and take them. Though they hide from my sight at the bottom of the sea, from there I will command the serpent and it shall bite them. Though they go into captivity before their enemies, from there I will command the sword and it shall slay them. I will set my eyes on them for harm and not for good. So no one would escape the punishment that God would bring upon the nation. Amos' prophecies have been described as harsh in comparison to other prophets, such as Hosea, who has been called the prophet of God's love. Such a contrast is inconsistent with the balanced picture of both prophets as men whose theology was grounded in the covenant of love between God and Israel. So the book of Amos is also a message for today. The modern relevance of the Old Testament writings is affirmed in the New Testament. From Romans 15 and chapter 4, for whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we, through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. The message of the book of Amos certainly is relevant in our modern times when the political, military, and economic is so often emphasized at the expense of the moral and spiritual foundations of earthly societies. The warnings of divine destruction upon the nation of Israel should not be lost on nations present and future. 
It is still true that from Proverbs chapter 14 and 34, righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. The providence of God today can bless a people who respect the basic laws of morality and justice and can bring down a society that has abrogated its responsibility to reward goodness and punish evil. From Romans 13:1-4, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves, for rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For he is God's minister to you for good, but if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. And then from 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 14, to governors and to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. The Church of Jesus Christ today would do well to understand and uphold the principles of the character of God and man's righteousness revealed in the book of Amos. God is long-suffering and disciplines his people to reprimand evil behavior, but they must not take his long-suffering for granted. Romans chapter 2 and verse 4. Or you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance. Sin must be repented of and good works demonstrated. False teachers are a constant threat and ritualistic worship a constant problem. The lesson Israel forgot must be remembered today. Fear God and keep his commandments from Ecclesiastes 12 and 13. Faithful Christians must remain pure and active in the work of the Lord. Amos' message still rings loud and clear as an example and warning to God's people. God's final judgment will, will be forthcoming when all will stand before the judgment seat of Christ, 2 Corinthians 5 and 10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. May we heed the age-old message that will lead to eternal salvation. Seek the Lord and ye shall live, from Amos chapter 5 and verse 6. He says, seek the Lord and live, lest he break out like fire in the house of Joseph and devour it with no one to quench it. So, from Amos 4 and 12, Therefore this I will do to you, O Israel, because I will do this to you, prepare to meet your God, O Israel. So let's look at some ways we can prepare to meet God. We can prepare to meet God in prayer from 1 Timothy 1 and 2. God wants us to pray. Hmm. Give me a second. I got the scripture wrong. 
God wants us to pray. Um, I've listed 1 Timothy verse 1 and 2. I'll just read those, but that's not the scripture I'm looking for. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, according to the commandment of God our Savior in Christ Jesus, who is our hope, to Timothy, my true child in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. First uh, Thessalonians 5 and 17, pray without ceasing. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. And Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Take everything to God in prayer. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. We can prepare to meet God in reading. 1 Timothy 4 and 13. Until I come. Give attention to the public reading of scripture and to exhortation and teaching. We can, we are to rightly divide the truth or handle aright the word of God, 2 Timothy 2 and 15. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed accurately handling the word of truth. And then from Ephesians 3 and 4. By referring to this, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. So we are to read to understand God's will. We can prepare to meet God in eating the Lord's Supper. Acts chapter 20 and verse 7. On the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread... Paul began talking to them intending to leave the next day and he prolonged his message until midnight. From 1 Corinthians 11. Verses 23 through 26. We find the significance of the Lord's Supper. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus in the night which he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me in the same way he took the cup also after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes and then from verses 17 through 34 we find the manner of taking the Lord's Supper. But in giving this uh, instruction, I do not praise you because you come together not for the better but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that divisions exist among you, and in part I believe it. For there must also be factions among you, so that those who are approved may become evident among you. Therefore, when you meet together, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper, for in your eating, each one takes first his own supper, and one is hungry and another is drunk. What? Do you not have houses in which to eat and drink, or do you despise the church of God 
and shame those who have nothing. What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? In this I will not praise you. Then verses 23 through 26, the significance we just read, so I'll read 27 through the end of the chapter. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But a man must examine himself, and in so doing he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself, if he does not judge the body rightly. For this reason, many among you are weak and sick, and a number sleep. But if we judged ourselves rightly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are disciplined by the Lord, so that we will not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, so that you will not come together for judgment. The remaining matters I will arrange when I come. So we can prepare to meet God in persevering. Revelation 2 and 10. Do not fear what you're about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to cast some of you into prison so that you will be tested and you will have tribulation for 10 days. Be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. So, from 1 Corinthians 16. Verse 13. Be on the alert, stand firm in the faith, act like men, and be strong. That's a final fourfold exhortation of 1 Corinthians. And then from 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 58, perseverance is not in vain. Verse 58 reads, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. And we can prepare to meet God by admonition. Hebrews 10 and 25. Not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging or admonishing one another And all the more as you see the day drawing near. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 15. Uh, Is an admonition to sing with the understanding. What is the outcome then? I will pray with the spirit and I will pray with the mind also. I will sing with the spirit, and I will sing with the mind also. And then from Colossians 3 and 16. We teach and admonish in song. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to to God. 
And we prepare to meet God by rendering obedience to him from Matthew 7 and 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. From Philippians 2 and 12. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So there's a sense in which we must work out our own salvation. Then from Hebrews chapter 5. Verses 8 and 9. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things which he suffered. And having been made perfect, he became to all those who obey him the source of eternal salvation. So Christ saved those who obey him. And finally, we prepare to meet God by entering his church. From Acts chapter 2 and verse 47. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. To be saved and therefore added to the church of the Lord, you must believe, Hebrews 11 and 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. We need to believe, Hebrews, we need to repent, Acts 3 and 19. Therefore, repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. We must confess, Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. And finally, to enter God's church we need to be baptized, Acts 2 and 38, from Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost. Peter said to them, repent and each of you be baptized in the name of the Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So these are some things that we can do to prepare to meet God while we still live. And if there were any that would like to take the first important step, and that is obedience to the gospel and water baptism, or if there's any that have professed their faith in God and then have taken another off-ramp, 
please come forward while we stand and while we sing.